and he's currently the defensive okay. coordinator for that team that you're wearing on the on <laughs> that uh, on that noggin of yours. <laughs> why? Why would anyone hire that guy? I, <laughs> why I would have anyone... no idea. It's... How does that guy have a job? I don't know, but remember that time. How does he have a better job than I have? Remember that time we lost to the Lions last week <laughs> on a minute drill? Oh, do I? That was. Oh, do I? That was. Uh, Joe Barry's defensive coordination right there. Hi, and welcome to The Kids Are All Left. My name is Dan Matthews, and tonight I'm joined by our uh, senior military correspondent. Hi, I'm Alexander Payette. Alex, uh, would you mind just uh, quickly going over with me, what if if there were a, uh, this is just hypothetical, if if there were a a slogan for this podcast, The Kids Are All Left, what would that slogan be? (laughs) If there were a subtitle, perhaps, it would be... The long and winding road to the White House. Wonderful, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So, really quickly, uh, th- we've been a, this has been a long time since we've had a podcast. So, we have a lot to cover. Specifically, the big news from last week, last Friday. We're recording this Wednesday night, Thursday, th- early Thursday morning. But the big news last Friday night that's kind of been dominating the conversation is this James Comey letter. That was sent to Congress that essentially said that they were there there were new emails that the Clinton uh that, that the FBI discovered relating to the Clinton State Department email case email case. And they're looking into them. And James Comey sent that letter to uh to Congress, letting them know that uh that they needed to do that and that they were looking into it so alex uh we're we're gonna we're gonna summarize this in, in a in a different way uh we have a little q a summary uh alex do you have the questions in front of you i am looking at them right now okay go ahead and ask me those questions and i'll answer them as best i can as as of as of friday okay. as of as of when this when, when this letter was sent to congress I will answer these questions. Yeah, this is, uh, I assume in these questions that he refers to Comey. He, re- he does refer to Comey. <laughs> okay, yes. that's good. Yeah. All right, did, did he, Comey, know what was in the emails? No. Did he, Comey, know whose emails they were? No. Had they, the emails, been reviewed? You know what? No. Last question for you. Was there a warrant for these emails? You know, that's it's funny it's funny you ask that because uh no, no there was not. So hmm. this was uh an interesting uh, So so his letter effectively said his letter effectively said there may be kind of sort of probably may be in a way a problem. Was that was that Right. Did I get yeah, the gist yeah. of the email right? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, that's kind of the letter that he sent. Now, the story has evolved since then, but 
I uh, I feel the need to point out how ridiculous this this letter was when it was sent. When the news first broke, and as it developed over the weekend, I I was honestly kind of inconsolable about it because I was just thinking, how could this happen? Why is why is James Comey doing this? Why is he being so partisan? Yeah, and and opening a new investigation—that's what we all thought. It turns out the the investigation has not reopened. But why is he doing this? Those are the words he used, though. Those are the words he used. No, those were the right? words. Am I, am I crazy? The, those were not the words he used. He said he was looking into emails. The investigation has been reopened. Uh, verbiage was used by the yeah. congressman who leaked the document that Comey sent to Congress. The congressman uh, oh, from, twist. I believe, Nevada, who just recently re-endorsed Trump after saying, and I quote, I don't think I could look at my 14-year-old daughter the same way and endorse Trump. That guy just endorsed Trump. Uh, Chaffetz, Jason Chaffetz, that's his name. Chaffetz was the one who, who released the, the, the Comey document with the, the phrasing of the Clinton email uh, scandal has been reopened, although it hadn't. Mm-hmm. No one had any idea what was going on. There was just this, I'm going to cover my ass, James Comey email. Uh, and just a quick overview of, of what happened afterwards. Uh, it turns out that the the Clinton emails that uh, James Comey had been talking about had actually been s- discovered uh, during the investigation of Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner is currently being investigated for sexting a minor. So right. that's, that's Which is obviously just, not great. Unbelievable in itself, right. I, I mean, think. I, it's, everything, I think everything about the story is just literally unbelievable. An- Anthony <laughs> like, Weiner, I, 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 I love this phrasing. Anthony Weiner's penis could sink two political careers. Not just his own, but also Hillary yeah. Clinton's. That's outrageous. So, so yeah. basically, Anthony Weiner uh, was allegedly he's being investigated for uh, sending illicit and lewd texts to uh, a woman, a girl under the age of eighteen. Girl, he, a girl. A girl. Well, let's be a girl. let's be clear about that. A girl, not a woman, but a girl. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's that's important to note. The la- there was a laptop that had been confiscated by the FBI during this investigation that was shared by the Anthony Weiner family. The Anthony Weiner family included his wife, Huma Abedin, who is one of the senior and longest Clinton aides. So at one point or another, she took this laptop that was predominantly used by Anthony Weiner and sent some emails to Hillary Clinton or one of Hillary Clinton's aides. We don't know. We're not entirely sure. We don't really know what's going on. We just know that Huma Abedin was married to Anthony Weiner, and there are there's some metadata suggesting on this laptop that Huma Abedin sent some emails. She's implicated in the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Thus, right. James Comey, looking at this metadata information about Huma Abedin, thought, you know what? This is big news. I should probably let Congress know. Well, let me ask you this though, because he 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 does say in the letter 
Quote, I agree that the FBI should take appropriate investigative steps designed to allow investigators to review these emails. Unquote. Do you not think that that's reopening the investigation when you say something like that? So, no, it's not. It's, uh, there, and, and okay. there, there have been FBI leaks since then that have clarified this that say, no, the investigation is, has not been reopened. For all we know, the emails that they mm-hmm. find on this laptop, now that they have the warrant, they got the warrant on Monday. Now that they have the warrant to look into this and to look into these emails, they could all be duplicates that have already been reviewed. Because they don't know what the emails yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that, I think his letter even suggests, well, not specifically that, but his letter leaves that possibility open. Right. Like, well, it, it could be nothing. The, the problem with his letter is that it leaves everything open. It leaves everything to the imagination. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah it does. You know, the, the letter yeah. could suggest well, so that... So why do you think he sent it, then? Why, why do you think... What, what do you, why would you even send something like that, then, So the, do you think? What I've heard is James Comey did a political calculation of, I know for a fact that had this, not, had this letter not been sent by James Comey to Congress, it would have been leaked. This information would have been leaked by someone in the FBI mm-hmm. before Election Day. So he did a cost benefit of is it more effective for me to send this letter now than for one of my underlings to leak this to the press next Thursday and then I have to cover my ass and it's the dominating topic on election day. Well, so then do you think do you think he was being partisan? Do you think he was being intentionally political in doing this? So I did. I don't think he is now. I it, for the first couple days. What, what changed your mind then? What changed my mind was. Do you think, do you think just like that, that that calming down? You had a moment to breathe, had a moment to think about it. And you're like, okay, what are the implications of him not sending this letter? Yeah, exactly. To, what, are, what are the implications to him personally? Right. What are the implications to him, and what are the implications? Okay, so you think perhaps he's being overall? selfish, but not political? No. So I, I think right. I think politically, if if he were confident that this information would have been leaked before the election, this was the appropriate action for him to take. I believe. If he was thinking it's either me or some anonymous FBI source getting this information out, I would prefer to be the one to do it as fast as possible. So we can nuke it over the weekend and then move on. I think, I think that was the strategic action to take as an FBI director with the information he had. And given the amount of leaks that have come out of the FBI since, I am on that side. I think there absolutely would have been leaks. The, the only thing that, that brings, in, brings this into question is that this Huma Abedin... Uh, laptop, a related laptop, had been known about by the FBI for weeks before James Comey had been briefed about yeah. it. That's, right, and that's this is, is going to be then my question about this. Surely, when investigating Wiener, they had to have known they were going to be taking Huma Abedin's stuff. 
uh, any number of, of of things that belong to her. Right. Uh, so so the, there why why announce why announce a closure of an investigation around. when there was when there's one going on still right there's still potentially one going on potentially you know you say they're not reopening it sure but if you know you're going to be taking more things that are going to be relating to it uh, why even announce that you're closing an investigation or why not say it's over pending findings from this Right, because I mean, the the Wiener thing's been going on for for how long? Uh, I I believe the Wiener thing was actually after it uh, was discovered after the James Comey decision, which was in I believe it was June sixth okay. that James Comey had his uh, Hillary Clinton email briefing. If I remember correctly, right. Anthony Wiener's recent discovery, and specifically the reason why the FBI was investigating him, uh, was in August. So. Okay. There was no reason for the, the the FBI had no reason to believe that Hillary Clinton or Huma Abedin. But even had... so, in August. But in August, I mean, I, I I've seen this before with uh, persons who have been accused of child pornography or uh, uh, in some way engaging with a minor, where. The uh, the investigations that are pretty they're pretty widespread and 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 they they're almost uh, almost militaristic. I mean, they come in, and they take everything, they take everything. It, it wild to see. Um, so once you know that kind of thing is happening, why not get in front of it then? Why not get in front of it in August or you know, so- September? Are you October. are you talking about? I mean, or or you know, the beginning of October. I mean, why why did it, why did they wait until when? Did, why did he wait until the time that he did to make the announcement? I guess is my question for you. Well, because he he had been briefed about specifically this laptop relating to Huma Abedin's emails the day before. So he first learned of the correlation between the Wiener case and the Clinton case Thursday. And he made the, he made the the letter and the announcement on Friday. So he was, he was quick to act. However, should he have acted is another question. Was he 100% confident that there would have been a leak? Had he not acted? I, I believe it was, it was reckless, but perhaps the right choice given the information that he knew. Yeah, I mean, so basically, he gets the information on Thursday, let's say afternoon. He's got to decide then: Do I trust a hundred people to keep a secret, or a thousand people? However many people would be on it, do I trust right. them all to keep a secret until we know what's going on, or or do I just get out in front of it? Right. The, and then, his... how bad does he look if someone else is making that leak? So the, I don't think he made the mistake by sending the by sending the the letter to Congress. I think that was obviously I'm not a big fan of it, but I don't know if he made if I don't know if that was a mistake. The mistake was in the vagueness well, of the was email. Was he under any requirement? Was no. he under any requirement? No. And this is important. Thank you for bringing that up. He was not he was specifically not under requirement and he was actually told by the Justice Department, "Please do not send this email or please do not send this letter." This was this went against uh, Justice Department regulations for how you address quote-unquote ongoing investigations. 
which even even though the Clinton campaign, uh, the Clinton email case has not been reopened, is it considered an ongoing investigation? Well, it can't be, right? I mean, let let's let's think about that for a second. If the investigation was closed and was never reopened, then it's not an ongoing investigation, right? It can't but be. But they're looking into it, so it couldn't violate the policy of ongoing investigation since it doesn't meet the definition of, of ongoing, ongoing investigation. Right. I mean, we have. We have a statement from the director of the FBI saying that it's a closed investigation, right? Right. Yeah, we do. And he says, and we he also specifically are saying that it's not, not reopened. Right. It's not reopened, but they're looking into the possibility well, of reopening it, which sure. doesn't make any sense. But so I guess no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess for <laughs> I are, agree. Are we, it's, are we it's now a looking at like tricks? Certainly. Yeah. Are we looking at like like pre-investigation? Uh, conversation now is this like like now James Comey can say whatever he wants about like well we don't know if there was a murder but there's a body here and we think it was Jim who did it but we don't have an ongoing investigation just yet it was Jim is that is that how we're looking at the FBI now <laughs> because That's there's... we're looking at the director of the FBI yeah, certainly because well I mean... but was Jim under was Jim already under investigation for having murdered body X that that's a good point. That's that's a good point. Jim Jim was absolved of that murder. I've already told you that Jim was absolved of that murder. <laughs> However, there's this new body. Not all murders. Not all murders. And we're, he we're might have done another one. We're thinking Jim. We're thinking Jim for this one. <laughs> that, you know, you know who seems like a real murderer kind of guy. Right. Jim. <laughs> I mean, he, we've already investigated him for murder. So he seems like the likely murderer. He's got to be guilty of something. Yeah. <laughs> got to be guilty of something. Like every, like every biased jury in the country, which is literally every every jury in the country. It's impossible. You can't, you can't ever like. You want to yeah. think you can yeah. remove yourself from that? Be like, oh no no no, I, I'd be detached from 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 that kind of thought. No, you wouldn't be. It's like a like a guy who who doesn't defend himself in court. It's like, yeah, he's guilty. Like yeah, totally. you know, there's no way you can't think that, right? Yeah. Everybody <laughs> so, brings in their own. So it's like their every own, jury in the country, their own bias. Oh, I mean, there's no. It, so yeah, he, he's basically he's basically acting like I guess, you know, it's 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 uh, is it comforting to think? Well, I guess I have the same kind of emotional, and <laughs> I too can be the director the of the of, FBI. I can be the director yeah. of the FBI. I guess you that's... Know what? I've got. I guess that's comforting. I have yeah. the emotional intelligence of the FBI director. Fantastic. Right. So, it really, it's a story of hope. Is uh, it I is? It is. It's this wrong. It's a story I'll, of hope. For I'll tell you what. Man. It's inspiring. It is. It is really inspiring to y- <laughs> millions of young people. Exactly. That they too can have the same. For the millennials who are listening to this show. Yeah. You know, millennials wish they could have you the same too, impact. You too. Yeah. They they wish they could have the same impact on the on the election that James Comey can have. <laughs> That's true too. That's also true. Yeah, yeah. They wish they could be a twenty percent swing right. on five thirty eights. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they wish they wish they could do that. It's definitely true. That is a perfect, they could if they all just voted. That that is a perfect transition into our next topic, which is the tightening of the race. So the race is getting wild, right? Yeah, real tight. Real, real tight. I mean, by twenty percent, literally on five thirty-eight. Yeah. I, mean, I know, and you're gonna say, 
Well, it lags. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's true. It, it does. does absolutely because it it's poll reliant. So you know, it's going to be reliant on 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 poll information coming out. However, it's still tightening. Whether <laughs> you want to accept five thirty eight's projection of it or not, it is still a tightening race. By it is it is definitely tightening. a good amount. So on the twenty eighth, which is when this uh, this announcement happened, uh, Clinton was at a uh, Hillary Clinton was at an eighty one point five percent chance, according to five thirty eight, of winning the election. She is now at a sixty seven point six percent chance. So things have gotten. Well, as a, as a, like, are you checking that literally right now? Yeah, right now. Because I saw today. 60.9. Did you see, uh, or were you looking at the now cast? I remember that number specifically. I was just looking at the, I think, polls only. Polls only? Oh, really? I've never seen the polls only dip that low. But, I mean, except for, like... I don't know, it was whatever was, like, naturally selected. I didn't oh. pick anything else. Well, yeah. Just kind of whatever it was. So, yeah, she's now at 67.6. Which is... No, that's definitely, that's up. That's up. I'm telling you, that's up. I mean, yeah, it, from where it, it was earlier today. It, I mean, she so she got a bunch of good polls in today. She got polls in today, uh, today Wednesday. Right. Well, that's that's that was gonna that was the lead in right. to that was to say that's up, that's up a, a a good amount. So was was there good news for the Clinton campaign today? Yeah, there actually there actually was. <laughs> there, uh, so a number of high quality polls came in today. Believe it or not, uh, this close to the election. What do you say? High quality. What do you say? High quality. High quality is uh, in. Let me ask you. I've got a. I've got a, a. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about it. I've got a pet poll. I got one that I like a lot. Oh, uh, that. Uh, perhaps I've been made. L.A. Times poll. <laughs> I've, I've cited. I cited all of once on this <laughs> show and became somehow. I became the champion of that poll. Well, you know, according, so, according to the, the... Was that included? That was not included because according to the LA Times, the Mets just won the World Series. So, the... Uh, <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, a new Quinnipiac poll, which is a really, really high quality poll. Came in earlier today that had uh, Clinton uh, 46 to 45 in Florida. Uh, Clinton 47, 44 uh, in North Carolina. Trump uh 46 to 41 in Ohio and Clinton 48 to 43 in Pennsylvania. So that was a was a really solid poll. And then we also had a uh a Well, how many of those uh wait, but 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 how many of those cuz those still sound pretty tight. So how many of those fall within margins of error? Uh just the one, just Florida. So North Carolina is not within the What was the Florida one again? Uh, Florida was forty six, forty five. Florida is pretty much too close okay. to call at this point. Yeah, I saw there was a Nate Silver tweet that said that of the one thousand or ten thousand rather uh, that they had done, it was five thousand, five thousand, right? Yes, yeah, that is actually no longer the case because the uh, five thirty eight guys run their their algorithm. Their their algorithm recalculates. Uh, every time they add new polls, and they they run it about five or six times a day. It takes about twenty minutes, from what I understand from them. And there was one point today 
around 1.30, just before the Knipiak poll came out, where... Right, yeah. yeah. Where uh, in Florida... I mean, it's just amazing overall. I'm glad you brought it up because it's, it's hilarious. Out of 10,000 tries, 5,000 were, were Hillary, 5,000 were Trump uh, in Florida. I have never seen a gray state before on 538. And this was yeah, yeah, gray. exactly, yeah. It's perfectly gray, it's yeah. perfectly gray. And I was like, "So that's what gray looks like." Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. Oh, that's what they do in the event of a tie. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I love that it's going to be Florida again. I, I think it's hilarious. I don't know what's going on in Florida. They can't make up their minds there. It's a great state. Yeah. So the uh, for, for that, for for if you're indecisive, just move to Florida. You'll be among you'll be among friends. Well, I saw I saw something today. There was a uh, the guy who runs uh, who, or who ran Hillary Clinton's or not not Hillary Clinton's a uh, Donald Trump's campaign in Florida in two thousand eight is an avid tweeter, and he is fantastic. I'm trying to find this tweet that he sent. I sent so many so many tweets during the World Series that I I kind of I feel like I lost it, but. Basically, what he said is that uh, since the 2000, uh, this is a, a rough translation, since the 2000 or since the 1996 election, the difference between Democratic and Republican votes has been around 400. So going back mm-hmm. that far, Florida has been in play for both sides, and it will be decided in this election by very few votes. So Florida, I think, is is the key for Donald Trump. If we're if we're talking about Donald Trump's keys to victory, he has to win Florida, he has to win North Carolina, he has to win New Hampshire, Ohio, Iowa, and Nevada. I mean, why New Hampshire? I, I, New Hampshire can't be large in terms of of electoral count. So why why there? Because I think that that pushes him over five hundred or over uh, two seventy. He can actually. He might be able to skip. Sure, New but I mean, wouldn't there be? But couldn't you? Couldn't you skip New Hampshire and get like literally any other state that's not like Montana? There aren't many states like New Hampshire. Right. I mean, aren't thing. there other places you can win? There are there states in play. Is that is that what we're saying? Right. So we. You, well, is that the, what, I mean, <laughs> is that is that what you are, are are saying? So the the states in play, basically, because Colorado's out of. Out of out of play, right? Yeah. Well, there was a there was a poll that came in today that that had them uh, tied, but I don't think anybody really believes that because there there are also internal polls. Was it the Rocky Mountain Collegian? It was. It was probably the uh, the Colorado Springs uh, Catholic Church Post uh, poll. <laughs> yeah, Colorado Springs. That is the home of the Air Force Academy. So if it's gonna be. If it's going to be any place in Colorado, it's going to suggest the Republicans going to win. It's probably going to be Colorado Springs. Yeah, Colorado yeah, Springs has a lot of. Uh... I remember visiting Colorado Springs when I wanted to go to. Uh... There's another university in Colorado. The Air Force Academy. No, there's another Colorado Springs. No. What is it? Um. What's the name of that university in Colorado Springs, or college? Colorado College. I have no idea. You do. It's Colorado College. Do you not remember? I did not know that. Are you not aware of Colorado College? Nope. Oh, I'm an elitist. Um, yeah. CSU or bust. 
far as I'm concerned. There are two schools in Colorado. There's CSU and CU, and I only care about them during the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, anyway, there's which, a... Which we lost. We got blown out. Little university called Colorado College that uh, is quite liberal and is in Colorado. Anyway, so... Wow, this is odd. Uh, according to 538 tonight, North Carolina is going to go red, but is still within the Clinton blue zone of winning. So that's that's interesting. Basically, the race is tightening significantly, but Trump has yet to infiltrate Hillary's blue firewall. So the blue firewall is Virginia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and Colorado. If she wins those, which it looks like she handedly will, that is over 270 electoral votes. Any state beyond that, for example, Nevada, North Carolina, Florida, Maine 2nd District, Ohio, Iowa, Arizona, uh, Georgia, etc., those are all extra. All she needs to do is win Virginia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, and Colorado. There's no, there's nothing to suggest that... So when you say, uh... When you say firewall, though, was that an unwitting reference to perhaps some email security? Oh, nice. I like it. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, yeah. yeah did, you, did you realize you were doing no, that? No, I didn't. No, did that's just what it's called. It's called the firewall. It's called a, if, if, like, Trump needs to take one of those. If he, right. And, he, you know, he spent time in Wisconsin. He spent time in Michigan. I uh, spent time in Pennsylvania, but there's no polls to suggest. Yeah, that actually, made Michigan. Any, uh... Michigan. He went to. Uh, he either went to or is going to my former college in Warren, Michigan, Macomb Community College. I went to the South Campus. It's twelve miles in ha- twelve mile in Hayes. For all you guys who were concerned, uh, where, yeah, he yeah Macomb Community College. I don't. I didn't realize how big of a political place. It was, uh, but when I was there, I was there for one year uh, last year because I've been at CSU now. This is my second semester at CSU. I spent two semesters at, at MCC. Go Monarchs. Uh, President Obama came. The, the President of the United States showed up to my community college uh, You know, a year later for whatever you think of the guy, a <laughs> candidate from a major political party is is showing up, you know, a week before the election at Macomb Community College. So, uh, I don't know what that says about Michigan exactly. Um, that they think that it's in play. I would. That's surprising to me. Um, from my experience in Michigan, I lived there for about twenty years before I moved out of the state. Then I was back for about two years before I moved again out of the state. Um, it's always leaned pretty heavily re- or, uh, democratic. Um, so it, it's surprising to me that anyone would think that it's in play enough to show up for a campaign event this late in the game. But uh, if they're going to, MCC, baby. Go Monarchs all day. All day, every day. I mean, it, it could. There's uh... So what's really worrying is... I'd be shocked. Yeah, but... It's such a it's such a strong union state. It's such a strong union state. It doesn't make any sense. It's such a the UAW NEA state that I would be. Shocked. I don't think it's gone Republican since Reagan, where everyone went Republican, right? Except for Minnesota. Yeah, that was, uh, was uh, eighty four. So 
Right, yeah, yeah, it's real life. It's Mondale. Mondale won his home state, yeah. which, by the way, Gore couldn't in 2000. But, <laughs> so, which, blame Nader all you want. But, um, but so that that's what makes it really surprising to me, is that, that somehow Michigan has retained this reputation of being a potential swing state. Like, no. I mean, I understand that you have a big division between, there's the Tri-County area of... Macomb, uh, Wayne, and uh, Oakland counties in Michigan. It's, it's basically the Detroit, the immediate Detroit metro area. Wayne, Macomb, Oakland counties. And those are heavily Democratic. And basically everywhere else in the state is, except for maybe Ann Arbor, which is Washtenaw County, is Republican. Right. Outside of those, those that the Tri-County area, Ann Arbor, Washtenaw County, um, Everywhere else is Republican. So I, I, I guess I understand it's kind of a, there's an appeal to be like, well, God, my goodness, look at, look at all this red on this map. It's like, yeah, but no one lives there. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've got all of the population is in the Tri-County area and Ann Arbor. So it, it, it's not a swing state, but it somehow has maintained this reputation as being like, well, Michigan's still in play. Like, no, it's not. Michigan is a Republican, or, or correction, it's not a Republican state, a Democratic state, that happened to have voted Republican in the past. But it hasn't been that way for my entire life. The, so so I, don't, I don't understand. The, the theory is that Michigan is part of that rust belt. The uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, that could go Trump due to his policies, due to his talking points, which is... Uh, clear white nationalism. The 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 there are a lot of white people in those states. Uh, there are oh totally uh, bringing back industrial jobs, industrialized jobs, bringing back manufacturing. Yeah, manufacturing jobs. They are, speak are, to yeah. him. They yeah, they yeah. speak to those uh, like a lot of the the classically democratic unionized workers who are now out of jobs. Trump is aiming for those guys. You know. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree that there's part of his or, or a good amount of 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 his rhetoric is would be attractive to a large population in a state like Michigan. I know that for a fact. I mean, I I know a lot of people from Michigan and and I know a good amount of people who are Trump supporters who are in the state of Michigan. However, there is such I mean, one, there's such a minority population in the area that's populated in Michigan that won't vote for him. Mm-hmm. And then two, you I mean, you know, another big pocket for for actual like where people live is like liberal intelligentsia. I mean, it's not gonna, it's not a group of people that's gonna be swayed by by that kind of thing. And I understand, you know, there's there's the whole manufacturing. Thing. There's the whole, you know, how many people are blaming uh, uh, immigrants? They stole our jobs, kind of, kind of belief. But I think that if it were going to go Republican, wouldn't it have already done so when Romney ran? Who is from Michigan? <laughs> yeah, we had a guy right. from our state <laughs> lose the state. 
So, I mean, I understand he moved out and he was doing his own thing in Massachusetts or whatever, but I mean, like, yeah, he's a guy. He went to Cranbrook. That's, that's Detroit metro area. Cranbrook is Detroit metro area. Let's be clear about that, too. That's not, like, middle of fucking nowhere, Michigan. That is, like, well, you don't know the expressways, but it's, like, 275. <laughs> it's it's right there. And, it's, and it's, it's right there. It's, it's right near 275 and 696. Kind of kind of in, in, you don't, it's on, two, it's right by 275, um, just south of 696. So it's, like. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, not now I know where I am. Far yeah, away from. I'm just, I'm right, just right, right. But for me, that's actually beneficial to think of it in, that, in those terms. But but yeah, it's that's that's Detroit metro area, definitely right. still, or at least Ann Arbor area. So it's like you know, if the guy couldn't, if 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 that guy from there couldn't swing these voters, what makes you think some fucking New York slickster? Is gonna come in and do the same and, and and do a better job of that. But was we already voted against a guy who's from our state? But did Romney have the same message though? Did Romney have the same you know shut down the borders, thirty percent tax on any imports, kind of thing? I mean, he definitely had like an economic message that was kind of perhaps not as strong, but I goal, think that but... he definitely would have had a. Well, but 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 did did he perhaps have a stronger nationalist? agenda than president obama he did yeah he certainly and if the answer is yes then why wouldn't you have voted for that then right yeah but it didn't so that kind of nationalism thing like why would it win you over now why wouldn't you have voted for that before even in a less extreme version if you've got options a and b and a is more in line with your views than b why did you vote for B? You know what I mean? Like C comes along and it's even more in line. Right. Like, well, why didn't you vote for A the first time? Right? Like they didn't do that. No, you're right. So That's true. I don't get it. I don't understand why Michigan's considered to be somehow in play. It. I don't think that it is. I don't think that it has been. I don't think in my entire life Michigan has really been in play. What do you think about Pennsylvania? I think it's a very long state, and I don't like driving through I, it. I would agree with you. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, think, I don't know. I think uh, Pittsburgh sucks. I, I mean, I, I'd be uh, to, to be honest. I know much less about it than I do Michigan. I mean, I grew up in Michigan. Right. Yeah. Michigan yeah. Well, I mean, well, they're, so they're, they're but, demographically considered very similar states. That's what I was asking you because they're both very union. Yeah. No. I cities. no. I understand that. I understand that much. But I mean, I think that you know, have we not seen Pennsylvania actually? Like legitimately be in play as opposed to Michigan, though. Recently, right? But they're so they're looked at the same way in this election because of their demographics. But I'm what I'm saying is that Michigan has been kind of lumped in with these other states beforehand, and I think that's kind of what's per, I think that's what perpetuating this kind of thought that it's yeah. somehow. So, uh, I'll, in play when I don't I, when I don't think that it is. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, Five thirty eight right now has Clinton at a seventy eight point zero, just seventy eight percent chance of winning Pennsylvania. Trump has a twenty two percent chance. Michigan seventy eight percent chance Clinton winning, twenty two percent chance Trump. So they're they're polled the exact same basically. Right now, that that's just that's why I was asking. I think it's coincidence, is all I'm oh, saying. Oh yeah, okay. Because those are both those are both very strong polls in favor of one candidate. I think it's just coincidental that they happen to be the same. All right. 
I mean, I don't know. Get Nate Silver on, and he's going to tell me how I'm an asshole for thinking that Michigan is a guaranteed democratic state, but I think that it is. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. Having known the people that I know from there, having lived there, I, I would be shocked. We didn't vote for a guy from the state. I mean, Nate, Nate Silver tells like, to send, tends to tell everybody that, that he's an asshole, that they're an asshole, so... It wouldn't. It wouldn't yeah. be. Well, it wouldn't be dedicated his, to you. I saw his appearance on the Late Show, and he looked very uncomfortable. He did. So, he so what he does he know? Sad. He literally deflates. He literally deflates yeah. after all the questions. He's he's one of these guys who's much better on podcast, like audio form, than he is in like video form. Because you just <laughs> oh totally not to look at. Oh, him. and he's got an audience in front of him. I can't even imagine how just how uncomfortable he must have yeah. been. He looked. So uncomfortable. He is, he is one of these geniuses. He who, made like, me uncomfortable. He's he's just the smartest guy, and he knows what he's doing. But man, does he not like talking to people in front of other people? <laughs> it's it's really. Amazing. He was like his 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 appearance on the Late Show. His appearance on the Late Show was like uh, basically every scene on The Office, included that involved Michael Scott, where you feel you're like you're embarrassed for the character. Yeah. Only that's not a character. <laughs> that's a real this person. is an actual guy like, oh my actually oh my happening to oh my god he he lives his life like that jesus christ yeah yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> just him him just <laughs> falling apart so for our final topic of the night we are going to go over two ballot initiatives uh one one from colorado and one from washington dc alex would you like to go first and talk to our listeners about your ballot initiative from colorado alex lives in colorado by yeah the way. there i'll tell you yeah. what yeah i i i live in fort collins colorado i uh i'm from michigan from the detroit area but i moved to colorado uh just about a year ago so this is my first election in colorado um so i'm certainly more familiar with the practices of michigan but uh here i am a resident of colorado now and, and it's up to me to decide certain things and and i'll tell you what I, I have a fair amount of ambivalence toward several of these initiatives but the one that i'm really struggling with the most perhaps is um amendment t it says this is a an amendment to the colorado constitution currently the language of the constitution says that slavery and involuntary servitude shall not be permitted in the state except as a punishment for persons duly committed or convicted of a crime. This amendment says, asks the question, shall there be an amendment to the Colorado Constitution concerning the removal of the exception to the prohibition of slavery and involuntary servitude when used as punishment for persons duly committed, convicted of a crime? Yes or no? Basically, it's going to take it from saying it's not going to be allowed in this state except for these reasons. It's going to just say slavery and involuntary servitude shall not be permissible in the state of Colorado. It's going to truncate the language of the Constitution to just say that. Vote yes or no. Dan, let me ask you this. When you hear that, right. what is your initial response? Uh, no slavery. That's 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 my right. response. Exactly. And and right, and I think that's what most voters in the state are gonna say. That's what certainly I said when I read it. So I was like, well yeah, obviously like no slavery. I don't like slavery. However, 
there is a counter argument to this, <laughs> which is pretty convincing, honestly. Uh, involuntary servitude. There is a concern that perhaps removing that exception will make it so that judges cannot assign community service in lieu of a jail sentence. And the thinking is this. And I actually, I, I spoke to a lawyer about this. I, I asked the question. Uh, the thing is that basically if a judge were to say to you, all right, you can either serve 10 days in jail or you can serve a hundred hours of community service and you choose the community service. That's not a legitimate choice. You're making that choice under duress, in which case it's still involuntary servitude. So when I asked, I asked this lawyer, I read the, I read the language to him and he said, okay, well, what's the, what's the problem here? And I said, well, the counter argument is that it's going to eliminate community service. And his response is like, uh, yeah, 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 no, I can definitely see that. That's exactly what I can see is happening. I said, okay, well, let me ask you this. Well, you're in the choice. I'm like, no, it's under duress. Let me ask you this. This is his, his response to me was a question, classic lawyer trick. So if it doesn't accomplish eliminating community service, what does it accomplish? And I said, I think it's just largely ceremonial. I think the idea is just that, you know, we're, you're against slavery, right? Like, that's not, I don't think I need to be embarrassed to tell you that I'm saying I'm against slavery. Uh, and, and the response that I received from him was to say that what they should really do is just remove the language altogether. So I'm sitting here in a, in a, in a position where Obviously, I'm, I, I don't agree with slavery. Obviously, I don't agree with uh, indentured servitude or involuntary servitude of you know any kind. You don't want to you don't want to think about that as being a reality. But I think I have to vote no on on this. So no, and I I just I don't know. Uh, what do you think about that? No opposes the proposal. To amend the Constitution. No maintains current language. Right. Yeah. No would maintain the current language of the Constitution. It's, it's which would allow for the exception for people who are duly convicted of crime. Right. It's it's a it's a to tough no be subject to either slavery or involuntary servitude. So just just to be the devil's advocate. I looked up. Yeah. I looked up. I feel like I'm being the devil's advocate by voting no on the. I'm voting for slavery. It, it no. Seems. Well, so but what yeah. you're voting for is is the current state of affairs. What what you're voting for is is status quo. Yeah, I'm voting status quo. Right. So just to be the devil's advocate, uh, I looked up the opposition, and I uh, just did a, a quick quick yeah. browse. Uh, and what stands out to me is that there are several for-profit federal prisons in the state of Colorado that use involuntary servitude for profit. And this measure would prevent that from happening in the future. So, for example, and, uh, you know, uh, prisoners make uh, clothing for soldiers. Uh, they, they make license plates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. They, they make a bunch of things. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very familiar yeah. with the fact that, And yeah. they, don't, they don't get paid for any of that that is that is uh involuntary servitude or if they do it's peanuts or, or yeah. slave labor so this ballot right. 
if you're looking at it in that perspective, you should vote yes on because if you're looking at it as a, should we prevent uh, for-profit prisons from profiting on uh, inmates? I think that's a yes. I mean, that, that seems ridiculous that, that you have guys who commit crimes that are, that are then given to private companies to make money on. I mean, that's a, that's a no. Absolutely. No, and, 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 and I completely agree with that line of thinking. This is. Yeah, I'm just being the devil's advocate here. I mean, I know this is a bigger conversation. That. I just wanted to. I wanted to. Right, but out. I mean, but is that not is that not a baby with the bathwater situation though? Where now? Okay, so you've eliminated prison work programs where they're either making no money or they're making peanuts. So whatever. So it I'm is. not saying remove prison work programs. You, you've eliminated that, but what you're going to end up having then, what you're going to end up having then is 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 people and and, and I don't mean to cut you off. I'm no, sorry about that. But you're going to end up having people who would not otherwise be sent to jail go to jail. And is that worth it? Right. That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Now, now that's a really good point. And would you not support a, a different measure then? This is not a thing. This is a thing I think is very important to remember about ballot initiatives, constitutional amendments, whatever it is. These are not the only options, right? To vote no on something is not to say, I don't think this is a problem worth addressing. It's just to say, I don't agree with this solution to the problem. So if you see a problem with it, if you say, I don't like the idea that prisoners are working for free or for nothing basically mm-hmm. well that's something we can address later but to vote yes on this is not just a statement about how you feel about that situation it's a statement about how you feel about other situations too right. such as community service so it's yeah you can vote no on this and still support the cause and there's another one on the ballot like that's the right to die in, in in the state of Colorado, I don't want to go too much into it, but we can address that. On you can agree conference. on principle, right? But you can agree on principle to that while still voting no to the measure. Right. And I think that's I think it's the same thing with this. You can agree in principle. Obviously, no no one likes slavery. Or indentured servitude. No one's servitude. voting yes to slavery, or yeah, or involuntary servitude, or 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 indentured servitude. Whatever, however you want to dress slavery up. No one's voting yes to that but what they're voting for then or they i what i i'll tell you how i'm voting what i'm voting for it is 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 to say i want to make sure community service is something i want to keep people out of jail if it's possible to keep them out right of jail. And, and have them actually reform the community right and have them be uh positive members of society yeah. you know cleaning up the highways yeah, absolutely. Uh, working in soup kitchens, that kind of thing. That's that is much more effective than paying fifty thousand dollars a year to have somebody in jail. I think I totally agree with you on that. Absolutely, and, and I'll tell you what: even if they weren't, even if they weren't even doing all those positive things for the community, in theory, the the the, the soup kitchens, the, the the cleaning of the roads, whatever it is, I think it's still worth it just to keep people out of jail. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It, it's. <laughs> There's a positive of keeping people out of jail, and there's an additional positive of whatever they happen to be doing instead of that. But just keeping people out of jail is already, I think, a a victory. Right. So, and again, I just want to 
I absolutely want to stress this. When you vote yes or no on something, you are voting for that particular measure. You are not voting for the theory or the principle, necessarily, of the measure. You're voting for that measure. And that's a hugely important distinction that I think a lot of people forget. Because in this one... They think, in... I'm against slavery, right. therefore, I'm going to vote yes for this. No, 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 no. You got to think about what's going to happen with the wording and, here. And you can even get you can get more no. specific to this, which is this uh, this ballot initiative is a difference between allowing community service as a form of punishment for committing misdemeanors, I guess, uh, versus disallowing uh, for-profit prisons in Colorado to use prisoners for profit. So this is this is masked this is a masked uh ballot that is actually it seems to be something that says we want to prevent for-profit prisons from from uh making money off of all of our all these prisoners but what you're actually doing is hurting uh like the people who pee on the sides of bars. Uh and I'm sure, right, yeah, I'm exactly. sure private yeah. prisons will find a yeah. way around this. When if you're voting, oh, if totally. you're voting yes yeah, for yeah, it, yeah, what you should be doing is voting to disallow private prisons in Colorado. Absolutely, that's, that's what that's what the that yes should be the be. next initiative. Yeah, that that that's what the that's what the initiative sounds like. It should be looking at the supporters of the initiative. Uh, that seems to be their argument, and and they're what they're trying yeah. to do is mask their their support as uh as whatever this is which is we're moving indentured servitude and slavery so if well i think i think that i think honestly i think that a large part of the supporters of it though are not even thinking in terms of that i think they're i think they're just thinking in ceremonial terms i think they're just saying this is going to be symbolic yeah, slavery bad that we're freedom, be yes. eliminating any exception for slavery right Right, yeah. I I don't think that there is a thought associated with it at all. I think there are some people who who have that. I think there are a lot of people who are going to read this uh um or who who signed the petition to get it on the ballot. Right. Um full disclosure, I sign anything to get it on a ballot. Full disclosure. Hmm. I'll sign I don't care. Could be anything. They'd be like, "Hey, I want a thing that make it legal for me to, you know, have sex with your mother every night." Like, "Sure. Yeah, I'll yeah. sign it." If everyone says it's cool, that's how democracy works. I so I sign everything. But I think there are gonna be a lot of people who who signed it, who signed it specifically in support of, rather than rather than some belief in democracy. They signed in support of it. Who are just like, yeah, I hate slavery. Obviously, we. Why are we not? Slavery's been outlawed in this country for you know since the Civil War. For Christ's sake, why is this even a question? Without right putting any thought and there, there are probably some misinformed people who are like is slavery still the yeah, exactly yeah, yeah 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 like that's probably what people are thinking <laughs> oh right? really wow we can still have slaves I'll, I'll tell you what i i can i give a uh amoral commendation to whoever included the word to, slavery on this ballot initiative because that's like, that's what it's good says. for you i mean that's that's what the current that is what the current constitution says though it is what the current constitution says that slavery and involuntary servitude shall not be permitted in the state with the exception of but for persons who have been duly convicted of a crime. So if you're going to change that, you've got to you've got to address the first part of that sentence, right? You've got to. 
So the only way around it would be what yeah, the lawyer right, I spoke to, point. whoever he may be, I don't know, suggested, man. which is to just entirely remove that section. But this is effectively a half measure, and that's the problem with it. So we'll leave it there for now for the for the Colorado ballot, and we will revisit this after we've discovered what the what the results are and see how we feel about it. The the next ballot initiative <laughs> Alex is pro slavery. That's gonna be the comment. That's gonna be the comment you're gonna get on this. Alex is pro slavery. Bring back the other guy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if you start if you start getting tweets like that, man, that means you've made it. That means that Trump supporters have found That's you. Right. <laughs> they, no, they'd be they'd be so happy with me. No. <laughs> they even... Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they would. <laughs> so the the second the second ballot initiative we're gonna talk about is actually a ballot referendum which uh, was unanimously approved uh, by Mayor uh, Muriel Bowser and the D.C. Council to be included in the, in the D.C. ballot. And it is for D.C. statehood, which is something that's very near and dear to my heart. For, for those unaware, Washington, D.C. can vote and, and have, have influence on the presidential election, but when it comes to Congress, we have a non-voting member. So that means that there is, uh, as as the D.C. license plates suggest, uh, taxation without representation. So we do not get equal representation. Oh, oh okay. So the, I have to make sure I understand this. The referendum is D.C. wants to be a state. That's yes or no. DC wants to be a state. Well, okay. Let's assume. Let's assume that DC votes yes on this. It's what good does that exactly do? Because it's not as if everyone who wants to be a state immediately becomes a state. Right. So that that's the, that's the beginning of of the traditional process towards statehood. So the the first thing that needs to happen is the the territory, according to the federal government. The territory needs to hold a referendum to determine if the people desire uh, to be a state or not to be a state. Should the majority vote to seek statehood, the territory then will position the United States Congress. After that, the territory will adopt a constitution. Now, a constitution for D.C. has not yet been adopted. That is after that, that will be adopted after the vote. So it's kind of a weird scenario. Uh, after that, the Congress, both the House and Senate, uh, will pass via simple majority a joint a joint resolution adopting the ter- the territory as a state. Then the president will sign it. Now, anything that involves Congress, not happening, because DC is kind of a special exception to everything uh, related to governance, where the Congress, the U.S. federal government currently controls all legislation in DC. Well, but there is a there's a non-voting member of Congress though who represents in theory DC, right? Right, that's I said that yeah, I mean I said that earlier. Like there's a we have a not we have we she's she has nine we have three electoral votes and um Eleanor Holmes Norton is I our just wanted uh, you to, our to talk to talk about non- how 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 they could perhaps Put some pressure on that. That was all that was. I'm sorry. Oh, li- listen, uh, Eleanor Holmes. Norton, first of all, is <laughs> and secondly, 
every session of Congress, she puts aside some time to make sure that everybody knows that DC doesn't get a vote. Has three electoral votes in the presidential election, and yet has zero votes in the in the House or Senate. So that seems fair. Uh, so basically, DC is currently under the control of, of the federal government. The federal government votes on whether or not it is no longer allowed to have control over this territory. So guess what's never going to happen? Yeah, what's the incentive? What's the incentive if you're the federal government from ceding your own control? Right. Especially, especially a Republican-controlled House and Senate uh, ceding territory to a democratically controlled uh, territory. So, so this would be the, DC is incredibly democratic. DC just legalized weed, but the Republicans in the House and Senate say absolutely not. Well, but we're not doing that. But, uh, I, let me ask you this question, though, in regards to DC. I mean, the the idea behind it was that it would not be a state, though, right? I mean, this is this is a founding principle of the District of Columbia, right? Right. So the 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 actual ballot initiative, the, the ballot referendum, redefines the boundaries of the federal government to a much smaller area where the federal government buildings are, and makes the rest of the city be considered a, a state. So they're they're not bound by by the federal government uh, rules because, frankly, I mean, there's no reason for a place like Friendship Heights, which has no federal buildings whatsoever, uh, and is basically Maryland. Uh, like, there's no reason for a senator from Kentucky to have any uh, reason to to preside over these people. So I mean, I, they they didn't elect him. They had nothing to do with him being in Congress, and he makes decisions on whether or not. Um, they get universal health care. They get uh, to legalize weed, marijuana, uh, a bunch of different initiatives that that DC can vote on. That people in Friendship Heights or Anacostia or whatever Anacostia is across the river uh, can vote on uh, within Washington D.C. There are people, Republicans and and Democrats from all over the country, who get a say on these people's lives who would not get to say anywhere else in in the United States. Well, so it's, so let's assume that this passes. Let's assume that the federal government agrees that they don't want to have control over more than they already do, which seems unlikely, but let's just assume that that's true. So is the new state then the, uh, the state of Columbia? What would the new state be? No, this is fun. And thank you for setting me up for that, by the way. I appreciate it. So the new state would, and this is very exciting, be called, drumroll, the Douglas Commonwealth, named after Frederick Douglass. Oh, still D.C. And still the, D.C., though. That's fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so the idea is the city is still Washington after George Washington. So it'd be Washington. It'd be kind of like uh, Luxembourg or, or the Vatican, where it's a city-state. <laughs> Or uh, Andorra, no, Andorra. So <laughs> Andorra or uh, Singapore are are kind kind of the same idea. So the idea is that the city would encompass the entire state, but you'd have a city within a state. It's the exact same way that it works right now. So 
Everybody right. who lives in DC lives in the city of Washington. And when you when you write down forms online, when you're having things from Amazon shipped to you, you write down city, Washington, state, District of Columbia. So it would operate exactly the same way. You'd still live in the city of Washington, named after George Washington, and then you would live in the state instead of the District of Columbia. You would live in the Douglas Commonwealth. That's all. That's the only difference it would make. Amazon shipping wise, which is all that people care about, really. Well, but that's a, that's an interesting thing. Uh, Amazon shipping, presumably to get to. You used to live in D.C., right? Yes. Yeah. I now live in. Unfortunately, I so unfortunately to get now. to your apartment, to get to your apartment or your house, whichever it was, the UPS driver, FedEx driver, presumably had to take a road, right? Right. Correct. Okay. Well, now. Those roads were maintained by the federal government. If those aren't federal roads, if they're not interstate highways, now the state of, uh, which is going to be Douglas Commonwealth, is going to be paying for those. So, so what does that do for you as a resident of what used to be Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, now Washington City within the Douglas Commonwealth? What does that do for you? What's, what's, what's the next... What's the, are you not going to see a considerable rise in your taxes just from, from having to now fund more things? So, no, because the federal government didn't give any money to the, to the District of Columbia. All it has is, uh, <laughs> is uh, governmental control over, over the district. So, D.C.'s taxes are actually higher than— but who built the roads? The District of Columbia. Actually, the city was responsible. I mean, there wasn't any type of that's insane to me. Yeah. So the 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 city itself, I mean, has always been a uh, so it's always been a district of the federal government. But if you lived there, you were taxed. The federal government itself, I believe, uh, along with the District of Columbia, they there's a there's a D.C. City Council that uh, has governmental control over the entire city, and that is final unless. Literally any senator wants to say anything about it, which is, in my opinion, outrageous. <laughs> but beyond that, uh, the taxes are are paid to the to the D.C. city government, and they're then distributed among the municipal services. Uh, I don't. I'm not familiar with the with the actual financial plan of the initial construction of the city, but regarding potholes, regarding uh, service to uh, like uh, electrical distribution centers uh, regarding schools, regarding uh, municipal centers, all of that, the fire department, all of that is currently regulated by the district federal go- by, by the district government, not the federal government. So the shift would fr- from a, a district to a state, all it would do is shed the the overall control, of the federal government, which, ironically enough, there is a democratic state or a democratic district that wants to become a state that, when you think about it, is the wet dream of the Republican Party or the Libertarian Party is to remove the control of the federal government, reduce the size of government. But every single senator or congressman who wants to have a say in Washington, D.C., seems to be R. 
seems to be red. They seem to say, you know what? We don't want as many parent we don't want Planned Parenthood in Washington D.C. We don't want uh, we don't want legal marijuana in Washington D.C. We don't we don't want as many public transportation services in Washington D.C. because we want to privatize it. And Washington D.C. says, well, you know what? Fight us on it. <laughs> and D.C.'s done a really good job of that, I think. I like D.C. I like the I like the government. I don't I don't think they're I mean they're obviously not the best, but I think they would be very well to do if they uh, if they actually became a state. Yeah, I guess I I never realized because I I think you know in trying to play devil's advocate, obviously you are a proponent of DC statehood. Obviously, so you know you try to you try to think of yeah well you know just as I was voting against the uh, I'm voting for slavery. Um, so you try to play, you try to you try to think of the opposite side here, and I think other than the tax issue, is there really an argument? So, so the qu- I'm really struggling to come up with something that would make me would make me think that it shouldn't happen. Right. I mean, the other than uh, the founders clearly envisioned the district. I, I, they did. I mean, they they stated it specifically. Right. right? I mean that that they they made it in in no uncertain terms, but. You know, they did all kinds of things that we've since. I mean, there's a reason amendments to constitutions exist, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if they'd gotten it right the first time, then we would have ended it. First of all, there would have been none, <laughs> but we certainly would have ended at ten. Yeah. So I mean, so the question is, you know, like, what do those guys know? It's are we going to get to this point where it's? Yeah, like, what's the negative? What's the drawback? Well, the the drawback is that Congress no longer has control over people. So. Well, but there's got to be something though. There's got to be a reason why the citizens of DC haven't pushed for it first, right? I mean, there's there's got to be some reason. Well, there's right, there's got to be something the, the counter, that's convinced people they, to they not. They have pushed for that for years. This is uh I I don't know how many times it's been on the ballot, but I know that But why does it keep failing? I mean, the, you know, there's got to be Cuz it's impossible to get through Congress. Beyond you have to get well. It, but you don't vote no. But but you don't vote no on something because the other guy's going to tell you no, right? If you're so if no, you no, no you do yes or no on this thing. Why would you? Why would you say? Oh, I'm defeated. I'm just going to go ahead and vote no right now. Why would? Why? Why would you do well, that? I'll tell you what. Strategically, uh, if you are a Republican, you don't want to add a Democratic vote to Congress. So if the Republicans have either the House or the Senate. Uh, DC is blue. You're going to get one vote in the in the Congress, and, and you're going to get three in the Senate. Two. You're going to get two in the Senate, which means that you're gonna you're gonna shift the 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 entire equation. So, if you are on the other side of that, no, you don't want to give uh, ammunition to your to your enemy. So you, there needs to be sure, but if 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 the district is as democratic leaning as would be suggested, it is. It is by ridiculous demographics. If if you look at five thirty eight, it, it is the most democratic stronghold in the country, next to Maryland. Because I just, I'm just trying to imagine a congressperson making making an earnest argument, saying, no, 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 no. no. They don't deserve representation. I feel like that's a hard one to say with a straight face, right? Like, how do you? Well, it's it's super easy because 
no one in that senator's district gives a shit about the voting rights of somebody in D.C. So if you're from Kentucky, uh, well, you don't have enough. to yeah, answer no about. Yeah, yeah. What do you care? What do you care about these? What do you care about these liberal elitists in D.C.? These lawyers off in D.C. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, I guess Super that, yeah, easy. That makes sense. You know, like, and so that means that they can do whatever they want to people in D.C. and those back in um, the 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 Bushwicks of Minnesota don't really care because those horrible liberal elites deserve it. You know? Uh, flyover states, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's commonly accepted. That I brought this up even though it's commonly accepted that, I mean, D.C. statehood's not going to happen this time. Like, we're not going to get there. But... Right. It needs to keep happening. I just feel like the... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's just such a hard... Well, so... That's such a hard thing to say no to. But remember, we're talking... If you're in Congress, I... I, I we're, we're talking about a Congress that won't even have a vote on a Supreme Court justice. Do you think, like... The, so, so the yeah, Supreme Court yeah, justice yeah. is, like, <laughs> one guy who's liberal who's going to vote against them. They're, like, this is a ballot that's going to say, hey, so there are 750,000 Democrats that would really like to elect a senator. <laughs> and you think you think the Republican Congress is going to say... Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that's something that we're going to pass. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to say... No, it's like, you can't outwardly oppose it, though. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you no, can't, they can. They absolutely like, can. How do you... Just, how do you justify that statement? How do you justify that statement? No, 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 no. I know these people are American citizens. However, do they really deserve representation in Congress? Like, I mean... Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you do oh, yeah, it, they do. You, you do it the way you did earlier. Every, every measure. You do it with uh, constitutional fundamentalism, which is so. Here's the way that the the District of Columbia was laid out to not have congressional votes. Oh yeah, was Jefferson wrong? Right. Exactly. Was was Jefferson wrong? If you move here, it's your own choice. Who are you? Who are you to say Thomas Jefferson was wrong? Exactly. You chose to not have congressional representation. It's your own fault. We shouldn't adjust the Ooh, rules because of that's you. A tough one. You know that yeah. obviously was that choice made under duress, though. Right, that obviously flies <laughs> in the face of people who were born here, uh, and the fact that this is quite a quite a populated area. But that's it's not the that's not what matters. What matters is it's not going to happen, but it needs to be highlighted. We need to keep highlighting this uh, incredible hypocrisy that's going on because it's just one more thing to add to the long list of issues that this Congress has had to deal with. So that that's what I wanted to point out. So is there anything else that you want to quickly mention? I know you had an email or I know you Donna Brazil thing you want to talk about. Oh, well, yeah, I just wanted to say, because I think, I think it is significant, especially considering the number of, of Sanders supporters who were begrudgingly going to support Clinton to find out that yeah, Clinton, you know, maybe received uh, some some info about the debate questions. I mean, granted, the question about the Flint water situation, right? You got to know that's coming up. I mean, it, anyone in the world could tell you that's going to come up, mm-hmm. right? It, you'd have to be stupid to not expect that question. However, to know you're going to get it specifically, I think it is. I think it is uh, significant, I, and and I think that. You know, you're dealing with a candidate 
who so what's tell t- tell me the unlikable go, go over the uh go over the scenario oh for me uh basically an employee from cnn emailed the clinton campaign saying i think i think a direct quote is sometimes i get early access to questions right this is donna brazil by and the way who's the said, uh interim be... uh democratic national committee chairman currently yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who who's also a CNN just contributor. this week was but was just fired from CNN. She was just fired from CNN um just recently. Because of this. Right. Specifically because of this. And and, and how did this come was out? Hosting the debater was WikiLeaks. Right. Putin. I mean no, it came out it came out in the WikiLeaks. Yeah. Part of the WikiLeaks uh uh dump. But no, so yeah, the, I mean, the, the effect of the story is that a CNN contributor got access to questions early, sent them to the Clinton campaign. Uh, after it was clear that the Democratic Party had a candidate in mind and was tr- actively trying to get that candidate the nomination, which is fun. I, I don't mind that one bit, by the way. I think people who got all upset about that are really missing something here. It's like, I if, agree. you know. The party's got a, cho- a chance. The, 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 it's the party, right? They should get to decide their nominee. But anyway, um, after that was kind of clear, um, and and the DNC chair had to step down, interim DNC, interim DNC chair, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She got she got put to interim DNC chair. Uh, turns out she had been leaking debate questions to the Clinton campaign. And so this week, because of the WikiLeaks dump, she got fired from CNN. She got let go from CNN, even though she'd already accepted the position with the DNC. So it's like, well, that's a conflict of interest going into the week anyway. But, uh, yeah, no longer a contributor for CNN. She's given given questions to the Clinton campaign. And so when you combine that with so many other things that are happening... Uh, and you you take a candidate who so many members of the so many people in the Sanders camp were already hesitant to support Clinton. We'll say uh, lightly, you know, when when you have the clear evidence that it's being <laughs> that there are people who are trying to swing the election in the other candidate's favor. I think that's I think it's a real problem. I think that's definitely contributing to the downward trend in polls. I, I, I don't think that... I think it's easy for people who are Clinton supporters, who are diehard Clinton supporters, to say, well, this is nothing. Well, this is nothing. Well, this is nothing. But you keep saying, well, this is nothing. Like, well, you know, they kind of add up to something. Me. That's me. And it's something worth addressing. Yeah. Right. And, and and But the thing is, it's worth addressing. It's worth addressing people's concerns about these Which things. Which is... I think why the, I'm glad that I have uh, you on the, the show classified. because I would not have addressed these, and that's why you're important to the show. Yeah, right. And, and I think and I think it's real simple when you when you wholeheartedly support a candidate or anybody, not a candidate, but anything to kind of ignore the negatives or dismiss them as being oh uh, is it really a thing? It's kind of insignificant. But to people who aren't that sold on it these are they add up they add up quickly too so 
Well, I mean, looking at these Clinton poll numbers that were dropping pretty heavily, I don't think that it's a coincidence that all of these things are coming out kind of at once and these poll numbers are dropping. Even if people who are... You know, when Trump said... When Trump said, I could shoot a guy in Fifth Avenue and my and I wouldn't lose a voter. I mean, to a certain extent, he was right. Right? There's a basement. There is a basement to whatever candidate support is. Like, well, I think a lot of people who are who are hoping that you'll just dismiss all the Clinton stuff are in that camp, <laughs> are on the same level of the Trump supporters who would not change their vote should he shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, which is obviously an exaggeration, but uh, but there's a, a good amount of people who can be swayed by these things, and I think it's important to at least address those concerns. So I, and I think it's. It, I, I think you're right that yeah, there are concerns that that Hillary Clinton is not perfect, and she needs to address those. However, of the polls that I have seen, if we're talking about the the last two weeks. The uh, Clinton's numbers have actually not fallen. Her chances have fallen, but her numbers themselves have maintained around a forty-eight percent chance, or a, a forty-eight uh, percent uh, of of the popular vote. What has happened is uh, Gary Johnson voters have gone back to Trump. And that's raised his numbers, and and that's what's been the major race tightening. That that that's been the major contributor. So I don't disagree with you that that there are things that Hillary Clinton needs to address, and there have been issues, and she is th- those have definitely contributed to the tightening of the race. But predominantly, it has been the fact that Gary Johnson supporters have gone down by about four percent, and Trump supporters have gone down by or have gone up by about four. So equal numbers. Yeah, but do you not think, do you not think, though, that it's a group of people who were going to vote third party to perhaps voice their discontent with the two-party system, saw what's going on with Clinton and said, no, this is an anti-vote. I'm voting against her now. I don't want her to win. Right. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, totally see that. And that actually supports itself in the polls because... Uh, I believe recently there was a um, PPP poll that said that 51% of Trump supporters were voting because they're anti-Clinton, not because they're pro-Trump. So that actually totally supports your idea that, that Trump supporters are not necessarily Trump supporters, they're just not Clinton supporters. Yeah, I, I mean... That's just, a really good thought. I know. Obviously, yeah. it's anecdotal evidence, but from the Trump supporters that I personally know, uh, that seems to be the case. Yeah, they're all. That's uh, they're all. Anytime you bring up anything, anytime you bring up something that's that's against Trump, there's like, yeah, but Clinton. It's like, okay, but your vote is an affirmation of somebody. It's not. <laughs> it's not to negate the other person. It's to say this is the person I support. They're like, no, 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 not in this election. Too important. Like, okay, <laughs> like, all right, you're just anti-voting. Fantastic. That's what I. I call that a hashtag hot take. I have been. I have been called uh, an idealist by so many more people in the last couple of months than I ever had in my entire life before. Yeah, and it's all people when I say 
I don't think you should necessarily. I don't think you should vote for Donald Trump. It's like, well, I'm not going to vote for Clinton. It's like, okay, you've got literally every option on the planet. You can vote for anyone you want. You can vote for yourself. Doesn't matter. You can vote for anybody. <laughs> like you can, you're allowed to vote however you want to vote. You can do anything. There are. This is not a joke. If I just look on the ballot, this is not including, not including uh, Ryden. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I've got 23 options that are not write-ins on my ballot for president. 23 options that are not write-ins. And people are going to tell me, well, I'm not going to vote for the other guy. Missing the point. Missing the point of vote entirely. So, uh, as always, I want to finish this uh, podcast with uh, a little bet between me and the other guy. So... Now what we're going to ask is uh, Clinton's been on a downward trend for... She's back up, though. About, about three or four weeks, though. So she's been on... She's, I mean, she peaked in uh, on, like, October 17th. So And she's been just going downhill ever since. Yeah, it's like right so after the third debate, I, right? So what I'm going to ask you... Yeah. So what I'm going to ask you is... Will she stabilize... Or will she go down further? Currently, 538 trends. This is what we're going to look at. This is how we're going to judge her vote. She is at 67.6 right now. The next time that we meet, which will be this weekend, do you think she's going to go up or down? I think she's going up. You think she's going up? Okay, I'll take the down then. I think she's going up too, but we don't want to be on the same side. So Okay, so then let's ask the question. What are the terms uh, of the Do you think... Let's set it at uh, plus or minus three. Yeah, plus or minus three. What do you think? For chances. get back up to seventy percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll take, I'll take that. Yeah, I think she's gonna get up to seventy, at least. You'll take the over. Yeah, I'll take the over. Okay, I'll do the under. All right. So uh, the next time that uh, we meet up. We're going to check as to whether or not Hillary Clinton is at 70% or higher, according to the 538 uh, forecast. We're five days out of the election. Next time we might meet, but it might be the election. <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, we're, uh, we're gonna speed up these uh, these podcasts going into it. Well, you're, we're, doing a live, we're doing a live episode, I, I, I heard. Yes. Yeah, well, thanks for letting the cat out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can just yeah, edit it out. <laughs> I was trying to set you up for the announcement. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening tonight. Uh, I've been Dan Matthews. I've been Alex Payat. And uh, you've been listening to The Kids Are All Left. Long one out of the White House. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been great to talking to you. <laughs> thank you.